0: This is KVNF Mountain Grown Community Radio. I'm Cassie Canoost. This is your regional newscast for Thursday, February first. Funding that helps Spanish speakers get childcare licenses could end unless Colorado lawmakers step in. Chalkbeat Colorado reports that a bill was introduced last week that could secure and expand the Colorado Department of Early Childhood's bilingual support team. If passed, the bill would allocate two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars per fiscal year to sustain the bilingual department. The team helps individuals, particularly Spanish speakers, through the child care licensing process. It addresses language barriers and provides guidance on background checks, inspections, and any other requirements. The proposed legislation is part of broader efforts across the state to address the shortage of child care options, as well as ensuring equitable support for underserved communities. A new park is coming to Montrose's Colorado Outdoor Complex this summer. Montrose City Council approved a $350,000 grant during a regular board meeting earlier this month. The city secured the grant from the Colorado Health Department for the project, reducing the city's financial contribution to less than $100,000. The park, located behind the flex buildings, will be built on land being donated to the city by the developers of Colorado Outdoors. The city noted in a memo to city councilors that the park's design is relatively simple due to budget constraints but it has been designed to allow for items such as play boulders, gazebos, and picnic structures. More features may be added later. The park is expected to complete construction in July. Representative Matt Soper was removed from the state's Agriculture House Committee by newly minted House Minority Leader Rose Puglisi. While the official reason cited was to accommodate Representative Mike Lynch's recent resignation as House Minority Leader, Soper believes it was influenced by Representative Mark Catlin. The Daily Sentinel reports that Soper alleges that Catlin advocated for his removal due to potential competition in a Senate primary. Catlin denies involvement, saying it was a leadership decision. Puglisi asserts committee dynamics necessitated the move and mentioned Soper's expertise on the Delta County Hospital Board, which could be useful on the Finance Committee. Soper said he worked for years to get on the ag panel, particularly because his house district has more commercial agricultural interests than any other district in the state. The town of Peonia recently approved changes in lighting for the long-awaited finalization of its Dark Sky application. Kevin Nevlisa Young has this report.
1: The town of Peonia will soon become an international dark sky community, protecting the area's natural light scenery for years to come, reports the Delta County Independent. The move comes after nearly five years of hard work by local Dark Sky International Representative Aaron Watson and area supporters. Watson requested a final letter of support from the Peonia Board of Trustees after informing the board of 20 fixtures that did not comply with the dark sky ordinance. He asked for approval of a contract to change the fixtures within five years, costing roughly $5,000. In addition, Watson requested to use the top of town hall for metering equipment to monitor the night sky. The board approved his request unanimously. For KVNF, I'm Lisa Young.
0: After nearly 20 years of keeping Montezuma County informed, the final issue of the Four Corners Free Press recently hit newsstands across Cortez. The regional newspaper covered politics, environmental issues, and more for Southwest Coloradans and residents of the Four Corners region. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD sat down with Gail Binkley, the editor and co-founder of the Free Press, to talk about the newspaper and its last issue.
2: Gail, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, sure. Thank you for having me on. So how did the Free Press come to be? I mean, what's the story there? Um, some of us who had at one point worked at the Cortez Journal, we decided we would, you know, just like to do our own thing. I think it's a dream of a lot of journalists just to do their own paper and be in charge. And so we we did that. Um The first, initially the paper was owned by Wendy Mimiaga and myself, and she handled the business and ad side, and I did the editorial side. Uh, For a long time, I'd envisioned that because we live in a region and we uh, travel and recreate and get medical care around this region, I just thought it would be nice to have a publication that covered the four corners. If you could tell me about any of those early editions of the Four Corners Free Press? Um, I'm curious to hear about those. Uh, we wrote about initially some issues with the Four Corners Monument because we were starting out to be the Four Corners Free Press. Um, some of it was about there was some dispute over where the line should be drawn, like where is the actual Four Corners? Um, and then there were also discussions about management, which, and I think some disagreements between the the Navajo, the Diné, and the um, the Utes over how it would be managed, and there was a whole plan to revamp it, which has gone through because at the the time when we started this paper, it was you know pretty rudimentary down there. What were some of the major stories that you and others covered during your your tenure at the publication? Just off the top of my head, one of the ones that we covered for a long time was a major dispute in Salt Lake excuse me, San Juan County, Utah. Um, the reason I'm saying Salt Lake is because I wound up traveling to Salt Lake to cover the trial of a county commissioner in San Juan County, Utah, who had led a ATV trail ride into uh, land that was supposed to be closed to motorized vehicles, and he was doing it as a protest, and, you know, was tried for that. And it went on for a long time, and there was, I guess... A big media frenzy over there. I mean, it's a real blow to the community that you folks are shutting down. But obviously, this isn't a unique trend to southwest Colorado. So I guess, why did you ultimately decide to end the free press? Um, You know, I've I've been talking about it for some time. It's just the ever since the pandemic, uh, the advertising revenues haven't been what they used to be before the pandemic. They really have not been. You know, a lot of businesses had an economic crunch during the pandemic, and following that, um, they had advertised it with us, and then they didn't. And you know, we just had a few loyal, loyal advertisers that were supporting us, and the revenues just didn't, you know, compensate. You know, there's, as you know, there's a lot of discussions about how to keep journalism going, and there's, you know, the nonprofit route, which some things are doing. There's the online route, um, both of those would have, would have been a major change for us, and we just weren't really able to get that going. This final issue, um, the, as it turned out, we had, I think, 12 writers write columns for us, so they're, they're all over the place. Some are, you know, personal, some are more political. Um, we have, the main story is just about the county's budget problems and concerns about how they're going to affect the Montezuma County Sheriff's Office, which is a big deal. Do you intend to retire from reporting and editing as well? Not really. Uh-uh. No, I mean, I like to keep busy. And as you probably know, I'm, you know, have, been, have written a fiction book, and I'm probably going to do some more fiction. And I've, there are people that want me to do some editing for them. And I'm interested in doing some journalism freelance. So well, thank you so much for joining. Me. Thank you.
0: That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KVNF. And this wraps our regional newscast for today. I'm Cassie Knust.